Hello, I'm Rachel Cassandra, and welcome to Midday Magazine for Tuesday, November 29th. Petersburg got into the Christmas spirit with their annual Christmas tree lighting last Friday. KFSK's Jordan Lewis met with some of the organizers to learn about the work that goes into getting that celebration going. It was pouring rain on the Friday after Thanksgiving, but Petersburg residents gathered together anyway to celebrate the start of the Christmas season. In the parade, residents held candles and glow sticks. They walked down Nordic Avenue to the 70-foot tree in front of the municipal building. This year, the guests of honor were Wei Men and Lady Yip, who are retiring from running their restaurant, Joe and May, at the end of this year. The Yips, along with Power and Light, turned on the Christmas lights. Several teams come together to produce the event. Mindy Lopez says the Chamber of Commerce owns the lights. She's the administrator there. So Public Works actually goes, finds the tree, chops it down, and puts it where in its place. And then we have Power and Light and also Matt Briner who comes and decorates the tree. So it is definitely many hands on deck to make an event like this possible and for that tree to go up. Carl Hagerman is the utility director at Power and Light. And then um, the line crew here at Power and Light works with uh, Matt Briner, a uh, private citizen, to uh, decorate all the, the, the tree, get the star up on top, and um, put the lights on, hopefully in a pleasing manner, you know, so that we can all enjoy it for the, for the holiday season. The chamber also organizes for costume characters to be part of the parade. This year, that included the Grinch, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, and Elsa from Disney's Frozen films. Here's Lopez describing how the event feels once everything comes together. Yes, the Christmas tree lighting is absolutely amazing. Um, It just helps bring some joy into the town during dark, wintry seasons that we have. Um, And we do a huge production out of it. I always kind of say it's like a Hallmark movie, what we do here. It just has that sense and that feel of just family and laughter and joy. It just brings that sense of joy out of people. Power and Light says that the tree will light up Nordic Avenue through mid-January, and the string lights draped along the avenue will likely stay up through the end of January. In Petersburg, I'm Jordan Lewis. A Sitka woman died after a boat capsized near Sitka Sunday morning. Two men on board were rescued and transported to Mount Edgecombe Medical Center with injuries. Sitka police report that Deanna Moore, age 51, her husband, 56-year-old Jay Stillwell, and 42-year-old Roger Hames Jr. were traveling in Stillwell's Sea Dory just outside of Three Entrance Bay when the boat was pushed into a rock by a wave. A second wave swamped the vessel and it capsized. Stillwell and Hames escaped into the water and were picked up by a nearby nearby Good Samaritan vessel, but more remained trapped inside the sea dory. An air station Sitka helicopter responding to the scene lowered a rescue swimmer and retrieved more from inside the capsized boat. She was flown to Sitka and was later pronounced dead at Mount Edgecombe Medical Center. The two men were transferred to the Sitka Police Department's emergency response vessel and also taken to Mount Edgecombe Medical Center, where both were treated for injuries.
Petty Officer Lexi Preston with Coast Guard headquarters in Juneau told KCAW that as of Monday afternoon, the Sea Dory remains semi-submerged in the same vicinity where it capsized. There is no visible fuel spill and as yet no salvage plan. The weather Sunday morning in Sitka was clear and cold with light winds. However, there was still a large residual swell from recent gales. The swell, combined with large tides, can generate what one witness at the scene described as confused seas in the vicinity of Three Entrance Bay. And the victim of that boating tragedy in Sitka on Sunday, Deanna Moore, was a well-known and respected counselor and advocate at Sitkins Against Family Violence and Sitka Counseling. Moore's advocacy work brought her to the airwaves many times. Most recently, she shared her perspective on historical trauma in a panel discussion on KCAW's Talk of Southeast Alaska in October of 2020. When we're talking about historical trauma, too, I often think about how, um, it, you know, we can look back and I think the, the local indigenous people talk about the impact of seven generations. And so um, perhaps it goes back much, much farther than that. But to appreciate what happens today will impact what's happening in the future. And we are all a product of experiences that have come before us. And just to make that really small and tangible in my mind, I can think about my, myself and some experiences I've had in my life that have caused me stress or discomfort or maybe altered the way that I perceive the world. And I'm a mother now. And so while my, as a mother, my children are my first and ultimate responsibility, but I am still healing from my own experiences. And that's going to impact the way that I'm able to be available for my children and the coping skills that I'm able to share with my children. So just to bring it down to two generations, how could historical traumatic experiences not be impacting future generations? It seems it seems naive to think that any one of us has an isolated experience that doesn't impact the way we participate in the world. That was Deanna Moore, counselor at Sitkins Against Family Violence and Sitka Counseling, in a panel discussion on KCAW from October 2020. Moore died in a boating accident in Sitka on Sunday. She is remembered as a mother, partner, and fierce advocate for women. The board that oversees the Alaska Marine Highway System is moving from bi-weekly to once-a-month meetings as it continues working on short- and long-range plans. The Alaska Marine Highway Operations Board was created by the state legislature last year to make recommendations to the State Department of Transportation. The board is tasked with helping the state plan for the future of the ferry system. It's working on a five-year plan, as well as a longer-term vision to steer decisions in decades to come. DOT's Catherine Keith works closely with the advisory board. At a meeting earlier this month, she said a top priority for DOT is stabilizing the ferry system. That means addressing the sh- staffing shortage. It is at critical status where we're having disruptions um, because of our crewing shortages especially. And so it's hard to improve service uh, when we still feel we're kind of losing ground. Keith said they are looking at all available options moving forward. Operations Board Chair Shirley Marquardt said addressing the staffing shortage and modernizing the fleet go hand in hand. 
without uh, a fleet modernization, it's going to be extremely difficult to recruit and retain crew, which is a huge priority. The state has contracted a design firm to evaluate the current state of the Alaska Marine Highway System to help inform the short-term plan. One major fleet project that's underway already is the replacement of the Tustamena, which primarily serves western and south-central Alaska. The replacement is slated to be a hybrid diesel-electric vessel. The design is scheduled to be completed by next June, with the finished vessel starting service in 2027. DOT says inflation has pushed the cost estimate up by about 25% to $325 million. The Tustamina was built in 1964 and is roughly 300 feet long. The Ferry Operations Board was meeting every two weeks since February, but decided this fall to move to longer, less frequent meetings. Instead of two-hour meetings every other week, they've moved to four-hour monthly meetings. At a rare three-day in-person meeting in October, Board Chair Marcourt said they're trying to come up with a short-term plan before the legislature meets in January. Because we still have some work to do, and instead of two-hour meetings, a four-hour meeting. And once we get through the legislative process, this board may decide now we need, you know, we can meet uh, once every two months. You know, hard to say, but we'll just have to see where we are. The next board meeting is scheduled for December 2nd from 12.30 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. The state broadcast that meeting on the Department of Transportation and Public Facilities Facebook page. They take public comment during the meetings. As Sitka anticipates another record cruise season next year, its two-decade-old fee structure for commercial operators is due for an overhaul. The Sitka Assembly last Tuesday reviewed a proposal that would do away with the old flat fees for vendors selling tours at Harrigan Centennial Hall and instead award permits to high bidders. The payoff for the city could run into the thousands. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Every summer, tour operators and businesses set up shop outside Sitka's Harrigan Centennial Hall. It's the main downtown pickup and drop-off point for cruise passengers shuttled from Sitka's private cruise terminal out Halibut Point Road. But the fees for securing one of a limited number of spots in front of the city building haven't changed in two decades. And with Sitka's cruise passenger count expected to hit another record high next year, the spaces are increasingly valuable. In 2022, the spaces were first come, first serve, and cost vendors between $400 and $500. Under the new code, commercial vehicles dropping off and picking up passengers would be required to purchase a permit for the year, and businesses who want a space at the hall must bid for one. In August, Harrigan Centennial Hall building manager Tony Rosas and consultant Lenise Henderson presented their new permitting plan to the assembly. Since then, Henderson said they'd made a few changes, like decreasing the minimum bid for vendors to $2,500, which was a conservative estimate they based on one day's gross sales for an average vendor. But they kept the minimum bid for outfitters at 5000 With the outfitter $5,000 fee, you're getting extra benefit. You're not only getting your space in the in the back um, for your sales and that type of thing, but you're getting storage space. These folks get to store their equipment there and not move it all summer, um, which is 
which is a really great value in, in my mind. But Sitka's Chamber of Commerce Director Rachel Roy worried that the minimum bid requirements might be too high. I think all of us are feeling that, you know, the cost of doing business, the cost of everything is higher. And so just to consider that and maybe even to consider something of a phased approach into um, increasing the rates. Assemblymember Tor Christensen agreed that slowly increasing the bids over the next three years made sense. Something like 800 the first year, next year, or the year after that, 1600, and then falling on to 2500 for the uh, commercial spaces. I, I think that something like that makes sense, graduating it up so it's not a... a a real uh, surprise, you know, I don't think it's going to be a surprise at this point, but it's not such a hit to them. And again, that's just the minimum bid. It may wind up coming in significantly higher anyway. But Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis thought the fees they were considering were reasonable. A, a ramp up approach has been suggested. Um, I believe this is a ramped up approach. I don't believe that these values are astronomical at the time being for, for what you actually get. Um, while your individual space out front might be small, um, you essentially get this entire building um, that's open to the public as, as your, your area to conduct business. And I believe that to be very important in the conversation on, on cost is not, this isn't my 10 by 10 space. This is a bathroom facility. This is facilitators. The permits are only valid for one year, but some assembly members wondered why they didn't consider a multi-year permit. Municipal Administrator John Leach said one reason was to remove a barrier to entry for new businesses. If we put them all out for two or three years and then they're all purchased in that first year, it's three more years before anybody else can get a chance. So our hope is in this first year, um, we see what the appetite is and then maybe revisit this ordinance um, a year or two later to see if we want to change it to multi-year or consider a, a phased approach to it. Commercial vehicle permits will cost anywhere from 250 to $1,000 based on the size of the vehicle. Several assembly members also had concerns about the vehicle drop-off area, how to enforce rules around idling bus engines. Christensen wondered if they should add a higher fee rate for vehicles with 60 or more passengers, and Tim Pike suggested further incentives for electric vehicles. Mayor Eisenbeis suggested that they pass the code changes as written and bring back some of the ideas to make changes in the future. After a motion to change the fee structure for commercial vendors failed, the code changes passed unanimously as written. It will come before the Assembly again at its next regular meeting on December 13th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose.